Today I'd like to talk about something totally different, which is gender in Star Wars. So welcome to a different kind of edition of Star Wars Hyra Podcast. Um, I think it's interesting to reflect on the original trilogy, particularly Princess Leia, who is, um, you know, the only kind of major female character uh, in the films. You know, we don't get a female villain in the original trilogy. And, um, you know, of the three principal characters and and four, if you count Lando, you know, probably uh, five, six, seven, if you count the droids who are kind of... um, you know, I mean, not human, but considered male, um, and Chewbacca, uh, you know, we really only have Princess Leia, and there are other, you know, female characters that pop up, like Mom Mothma, but in general, uh, you know, Leia is the character, which on the one hand, um, you know, is not too, uh, encouraging from, like, a feminist perspective, uh, but I think that even today, you know, 40-some years later, there's not a lot of movies, um, like action movies, that are balanced with male and female characters. Um, but in that time, at least the character of Leia was considered to be pretty groundbreaking. And the video that they did kind of in memoriam of Carrie Fisher when she passed away, you know, they talk about Carrie's perspective that this was a really strong female character in a time when, you know, those weren't um, very common on screen. And they talk about how she inspired a lot of girls and young women Um, And I think that that's totally true. But at the same time, when we look overall at the films, they are overwhelmingly male. And one thing that that strikes out um, to me is the the empire in particular being completely male-dominated. I mean, we have every single officer that's portrayed on screen, all of the leadership, um, you know, certainly, you know, the, the Sith Lords at the top, but um, right down to all of the stormtroopers um, and uh, all of the pilots, all of them are male. And um, maybe that's partly, you know, a sign of the times in the 70s with, uh, you know, the kind of uh, norms that were at play at that time with gender roles and the idea that, you know, this is supposed to be a military, it's supposed to be, um, you know, fierce and intimidating. And so the perception was, you know, that should be um, represented by men, or, you know, maybe it was an intentional choice um, that the empire was uh, sexist, because we also see that they are certainly um, anti-alien. There aren't really any aliens as part of the empire. And the prequels maybe kind of explain why that, you know, the aliens were largely kind of the scapegoats of the separatist movement. Um, So, you know, Sidious kind of plays against them. That's also been, you know, portrayed in some of the canon material um, as far as why people have an anti-alien bias post-Empire. So, you know, they've explored it a little bit with aliens, but in terms of it being an all-male Empire, that is something that the new canon has not explored. And actually, they've intentionally, um, you know, uh, tried to paint that as not being the case. So there's a lot of examples of canon materials where, um, you know, they portray women as being officers uh, in the um, Imperial uh, Navy and um, as playing important roles in the Empire. Uh, And it kind of, you know, always makes me think as I'm reading these, where were these women? (laughs) So a perfect example 
is in Lost Stars, um, which is a young adult book by Claudia Gray, which has been one of the most popular books in the new canon and maybe ever from Star Wars. Um, It's really beloved. It shows two young people who grow up together and one ends up joining the Alliance and one ends up joining the Empire, Um, but it's not nearly as cliche as that brief description makes it out to be. And it's really cool because we get to see the events of the original trilogy and even beyond up to the Battle of Jakku playing out um, through the eyes of two people who are kind of on the ground within each of these movements. Um, And so, you know, there's a co-lead female character who is part of the Empire who rises up really high in the ranks. And, um, you know, one of her um, best friends, for example, uh, is um, working on the Death Star and dies when it is destroyed. And we see that her friend is actually the person who runs the analysis and finds out that the rebel attack on the Death Star poses a threat. So when we see in the movie Tarkin getting warned that they've analyzed the data and the attack does pose a small threat, they ask Tarkin if he wants to evacuate and he says, evacuate in our moment of triumph, I think you overestimate their chances. And of course, you know, he's proven wrong (laughs) minutes later when the attack uh, succeeds. And so we learn through this book Lost Stars, that the person who um, ran that analysis to warn Tarkin was um, a woman, one of the female characters from the book. So there are all of these, you know, female officers apparently running around. Um, another great example is Grand Admiral Ray Sloan, who's a super popular character who's appeared in multiple books and comics. And uh, she's, you know, one of the leaders of the Empire post uh post-Return of the Jedi, um, and ends up eventually leaving with the Imperial Remnant that escapes to the Unknown Regions and comes to form the First Order. Um, And she's kind of, you know, way more of a uh, respectable um, or admirable uh, Imperial figure than most that we have. You know, she has a more nuanced kind of character where, you know, she really legitimately believes that the Empire is um, the best option to bring peace to the galaxy, even though it may not be perfect. Uh, So she's a really interesting character. And, you know, another example of a woman who is supposedly rising through the ranks of the Imperial Navy, while on screen we saw literally zero female characters. Um, Actually, I think the only woman we may have seen portraying someone in the Empire um, was when they originally used one of the um, makeup artists as the Emperor uh, in the video, um, you know, the uh, the hologram that we see in the original version of Empire Strikes Back before they replaced him with Ian McDermott while, um, I believe, while he was filming the prequels. Um, so that's probably it. Um, and so, you know, it just makes me think... Um, You know, on the one hand, obviously what the Disney era is trying to do, um, you know, what Lucasfilm under Disney is trying to do is to bring more female characters into the Star Wars universe, which I think is great. Um, Certainly that's something that was happening with Lucasfilm way before the Disney purchase. We had some great female characters coming up in the old Legends books, um, like... um, Janna uh, Solo, um, the the daughter of Han and Leia, um, whose uh, you know twin brother turns to the dark side, but you know she stays on the light side. Um, we also had Mara Jade, who's probably the most popular um, female character to come out of the Legends materials, and um, one of the most popular characters, period, to come out of the Legends materials. So we had this already happening within Lucasfilm, but I think that the 
difference for me, at least in the Disney era, is how they've really been kind of painting it as, you know, oh, like female characters were around the whole time and we just happened to not see them on screen, um, which to me is a little bit crazy. I mean, I I appreciate the sentiment, but I would rather have them had just acknowledged that the empire was almost exclusively male. And that was because, you know, that was how the emperor wanted it. Um, you know, maybe that was part of his playing people off each other, just like he, um, demonized aliens, you know, maybe he, he demonized, um, women too. And, you know, he was a man and, you know, he's supposed to be like, you know, the, the idyllic leader of the galaxy. So maybe he thought that, you know, people should be in him, his image. And that includes, um, you know, the empire being led by men. I don't know, but I would have rather seen it addressed directly, um, and called out for what it was, um, rather than them trying to kind of reinvent what we had seen on screen. Um, it's definitely interesting that, you know, the first order, we see that there are a lot of women in leadership positions, um, you know, including Phasma, um, then in the rise of Skywalker and the, um, the, you know, first order kind of ruling council, we see several women there and definitely, you know, sometimes we get stormtrooper voices that are, are female. Um, and so, uh, I think it would have been interesting to explore why the First Order made that change. Um, on the one hand, they decided to keep the First Order almost entirely human. Um, so that was a choice that they kept. On the other hand, they had women. Um, you know, I mean, it makes sense that during the Clone Wars, all of the clones were men because they were clones. So maybe that's kind of how the First Order Stormtrooper unit, you know, maybe they wanted to keep enough of that um, kind of uh, clone feeling by having, you know, the stormtroopers feel almost interchangeable and that meant having them all stay men. Um, and then, you know, the first order, since they're basically stealing children, it makes sense that maybe they would have given that up and they have a whole new set of conditioning procedures. Um, they don't need the, the stormtroopers to all be identical when they come on board because they're going to brainwash them all into being identical. So I think it would have been more interesting for Disney to explore that change rather than kind of glossing over it. And they still could have had female characters in the books, but, you know, they could have noted that that was an exception and that, you know, maybe they were hidden from view. Maybe they did have women working in the background, but, you know, they weren't uh, kind of allowed to be out in the pits that we see on the Star Destroyers or they weren't allowed to fight on the front lines. Um, to me, that would have been a more interesting storyline to explore than just kind of acting like there had been women there all along. Um, there's actually a lot more to explore about gender um, in the new canon, and so I'm going to jump into that discussion right after a quick break. Now, there have been a lot of characters in the new canon who have kind of challenged um, you know, the idea that everyone in the Star Wars universe is heterosexual. <laughs> There's been um, a bunch of gay and bisexual characters in the books and the comics, um, and uh, that all kind of led up to seeing, you know, in the background, a kiss between two women um, in The Rise of Skywalker at the end celebration. Um, so I'm not going to get into that because there really are quite a few characters who have somewhat fluid sexuality, but there have also been two characters in particular who have really challenged kind of um, binary gender norms, um, which has been interesting uh, to see. So one of them, um, the first instance that we had, was the pirate Elodie Maracavania, 
is how I'm going to pronounce that. Um, this is a character from the Aftermath trilogy, a really cool um, character in my opinion. So um, basically the idea is that uh, this group of pirates led by Elodi take over a super star destroyer and turn it into like a giant pirate ship. Like if you think about how big a super star destroyer would be with thousands and thousands and thousands of people on it, it's like a pirate ship. It's basically like a pirate city that, that floats and attacks. And we see them um, kind of taking on board a ship and, um, you know, giving the people the option of either uh, you know, leaving without their belongings that they came on board with or um, joining the pirates. Um, so it's a kind of cool idea. And actually, it reminds me a little bit of the Nile from um, the upcoming uh, new um, High Republic series. You know, this idea of kind of pirates uh, floating around causing chaos. Um, but the interesting thing about the leader from our perspective is that this is a character who uses all different gender pronouns. So sometimes they go by male pronouns, by female pronouns, and sometimes Z and Zer. Um, so this is the first instance we have uh, in the new Star Wars canon of a character who is not gender binary. So in other words, doesn't identify exclusively as male or female. Um, we don't know how this character self-identifies because they don't discuss it explicitly. Um, they just, you know, jump into using the um, the pronouns um, varying back and forth. And I have to say that I think uh, it makes the character seem particularly cool, like as a pirate leader. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Jack Sparrow. I was just re-watching Pirates of the Caribbean the other night, and, you know, there's definitely, like, I, I think when, sometimes when I think of a pirate, at least, I think of a traditionally kind of masculine um, individual, and, you know, with um, Captain Jack Sparrow, we definitely see, like, a highly um, effeminate character in a lot of ways with, with the character's gender expression, you know, the heavy eyeshadow and the long hair. And I think that, you know, Johnny Depp did a great job of, you know, kind of portraying a very uh, gender ambiguous type character. And um, that is contrary to my kind of stereotypical image of a pirate. And so it was cool to see this pirate, you know, to me, I got kind of the, this vibe that was a little bit like Jack Sparrow. I mean, certainly the character is very eccentric, um, very flamboyant. Um, and so, you know, the fact that, um, you know, they're talking about, uh, like his highness, her glory, um, going back and forth with the pronouns just kind of adds to the, um, to the image of the pirate in my mind, kind of being, um, you know, bold, um, certainly not afraid to share their, um, various pronouns, which, I thought was very cool um, on reading this book and certainly signaled to me that, you know, in the in the Disney era, that the publishing um, division was going to be um, very open to, um, you know, challenging um, gender norms and having a more open universe. And then the next really good example of this was in the Last Shot novel. Um, so this was by Daniel Jose Older. Um, I thought it was a great book overall. Um, it goes back and forth. Um, between uh, three different time periods, actually. So the earliest time period follows Lando while he had the Falcon still um, with, um, you know, his droid that we see 
in the solo movie. And then the second time period follows Han with the Falcon back, um, you know, before the original trilogy. And then the third time period actually takes place a couple years after the New Republic um, has been reestablished and the Empire has fallen. And we see Han and Lando kind of um, reunited and on a mission together. So it's a great book overall. And one of the characters, um, probably the, the main character aside from the two of them um, who's introduced is um, Taka and Taka uses they them theirs pronouns instead of he pronouns or she pronouns Um, and this is another interesting example because we don't get into the character's identity at all it's just seamlessly from the beginning from the first instance the character is referred to as they and um, you know as uh, Han and Lando start talking about the character in the third person they use the they they pronoun too Um, which is interesting because in real life you know we usually can't tell what pronouns a person uses Uh, we either make an assumption or we wait for them to say hey these are the pronouns I prefer so it's interesting in the book to see them just know um or you know assume what pronouns to use for this person um but anyway this is a cool example of it just being like normalized like it's not a big deal they don't go into it you know it's not it doesn't play any kind of a role in the story we just have a character who uses um you know pronouns other than he or she and that's the first time that we see that at least to my knowledge um within the new star wars canon and i'm not aware of anything within the old legends that does that either but I could be wrong so those are the two real um, examples that we have so far there are also um, other examples of you know like alien species that don't follow gender norms or that you know have um, what we think about as the traditional like female roles with reproduction reversed um, definitely like you know different uh um, species that are, are run primarily by the females, like the Night Sisters are like that. Those are a group of witches on the planet Dathomir. Um, you know, Darth Maul was one of the Night Brothers, and they, the brothers, are, um, you know, operating below the sisters with Mother Talzin, you know, at the top. So that's a matriarchy. And there are other examples of matriarchies, such as on Geonosis, um, the, the Geonosians are kind of led, um, you know, we don't see it in the movies, but it's explored elsewhere. Um, you know, there's like the, the queen who is, re- you know, responsible for the whole hive. So there are other examples of, of aliens that kind of have these gender um, bending roles. But as far as humans go, um, there's really those two in the books who stand out as challenging um, gender norms uh, within the Star Wars canon. So that's all that I wanted to discuss today. Like I said, this was something different that's been on my mind for a while that I think is interesting um, and something that I think about as I'm reading all of these new books, especially, like I said, the ones in the original trilogy where I'm kind of wondering you know, where, where were all of these women, um, while they were, uh, you know, while, while we were seeing the events unfolding on screen. But anyway, I think there's a lot of things like that where, you know, they're, it's, they're movies. It's not real. Uh, it's fake. And, you know, same goes for the books and comics. And so things aren't always going to make sense. Um, sometimes it's just fun to speculate and, uh, and come up with our own rationale for things. And so, um, there's my thoughts and and how I think that, you know, we could justify it or not and um, why I think that it's important and interesting.
So I hope you've enjoyed this uh, edition of the Star Wars Hyra podcast, and I hope you will subscribe and tune in to our next one.